How many of you are eager and ready for this word today? Allow me to pray first. Father, I thank you for this morning. For those that are here today and those that are listening online, Father, I just pray that you would bless us with your presence and help us to learn your word, to apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 26. As we go there, beginning at verse 1, the Word of God says, A severe famine now struck the land, as it happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved from Gerar, where Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here in this foreign land. I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all this land to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised to Abraham, your father. I want to go to verse 6. It's what the word of God says. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. Jump over to verse 12. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks and sheep and goats and herds of cattle that the servants, the Philistines, became jealous of him. So let me ask you this question. How many of you would like the Lord to bless you so much that you become the envy of your enemy? You guys are some messed up people. That is messed up. But I love your honesty. You guys can have a seat. (laughs) I hope that's not the only reason you want to be blessed. Is to, to prove the haters wrong and to just... Stick it in their face and I told you God would use me and I told you God would bless me and that's going to feel great one day. But I hope you also want to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others. Amen. Amen. And you go, no, Pastor, I like the first one. That's what I want to do. That's great. This morning, I want to preach to you on something. I read this passage of scripture. I just stumbled upon it and it spoke volumes to me. I want to preach this morning on the subject, the testing before the blessing. Because all of us said, Pastor, I want to be blessed. I want to have a blessed family, a blessed life, best future. I want a blessed job. I want my life to be blessed, so blessed and so much of a blessing that I become the envy of my enemies and haters. And that's great. That's awesome. But understand something. Before God can bless you, He has to test you. You say, well, Pastor, why does God have to test me before He can bless me? Because God must see that you have the character to handle the blessing He wants to give you. If you don't have the right stuff and the character to handle the blessing, the Lord can give you the blessing right now, but you're just going to mess it up and ruin it. So God would often put you through a season of testing before He can bless you. So there's a test before the bless. And there's one big hot mess. Let's just say that. So I want to be blessed, but I don't want to go through the test. Then you can't handle the blessing God has for you. 
So the Bible opens up the story and says that there was a, a famine. Now, a famine was a season of dryness. And in the Bible, a famine was often a symbol of hopelessness and struggle and desperation. So sometimes I believe through the Bible that you go through these seasons of dryness. How many of you relate and say, Pastor, I'm a witness to that. I've gone through some dry times in my life. Let me see your hands right now. All right. The rest of you, you're either lying or you will get there one day. But see, when you're going through a season of dryness, there's hopelessness. That life becomes hopeless. Nothing, you don't expect anything better to come out. And when life becomes a famine, there's a lot of struggle and desperation and emptiness. And you do anything just to get out of the situation that you're in. And you make desperate decisions because you're tired of the dry season in your life. But I believe that not only does life become dry, I believe that people become dry. Because of life and its dryness, if we're not careful, we can become dry. A dry person is numb, meaning has no feelings, just there. There's no joy in them, there's no peace in them. They're very critical of life and others are very down and depressed and discouraged and also love in their depression to discourage others who happen to have joy. They'll remind you why you shouldn't have joy. So you, something good happens and they're going to remind you why you shouldn't celebrate because this could happen. You ever met a dry person in your life? I believe that dryness gets transferred from life to people and from people to our spirit. Your spirit can become dry. And that means that in that dry season, you really don't feel the presence of God in your life. God's not really talking to you. He's not showing you anything. And in this dry season of your spirit... It's not that you've lost faith and you don't longer believe in God and you've wandered from the church and you're living in sin and you want nothing to do with God or God's people. I believe that when you're going through a dry season spiritually, it only means that the things of God no longer impact you like they used to and the things of God like church and reading your Bible and praying and worshiping have just don't matter anymore. You can still do it. You can still go to church. You can still sing and pray and and read your Bible and listen to the sermon. But it just doesn't matter anymore. Your mind is somewhere else. Like right now, you could be spiritually dry because you're listening to me, but you're thinking about lunch. You're listening to me, but you're thinking about your job and Monday and this week, what you have to do. You're listening to me, but it just doesn't matter. You want this to get over with so you can move on to your life. You're a dry person. So life and people and your spirit can become dry And let me understand, let me just point this out to you clearly. For everyone here listening online or here present right now, we will encounter dry seasons in our life. There's no avoiding it. You will endure a dry time of difficulty. Dry seasons are a reality for all of us here. It will happen. Maybe it has happened. Maybe you're going through it now. And I also want to throw this promise to you. It will happen. 
Well, Pastor, how do you know that? That's not very positive. Well, it's because even Jesus went through a dry time. Jesus had an experience with God as God, the Holy Spirit, fell on him like a dove and it was a beautiful moment and and this voice of God said, you're my son who I am well pleased of. What an amazing time. And right after that amazing experience with God, the Bible says that Jesus went to the desert to be tested by God and tempted by the devil. So the temptation of Satan was actually a testing from God. And you say, well, why does Jesus need to be tested if he's perfect? You're such a great theologian. Let me just tell you this and the reason why. It's because we have a God that sympathizes with us and understands what you're going through and what you're feeling because of what he went through in that dry time. You get it now? So then... Jesus went through a dry season in his life where the devil was just attacking him and he was tired. But what I find amazing about this passage is the Bible says he was led by the Spirit to the desert. So it wasn't that the desert was Jesus' choice. It wasn't that it just happened. The Bible clearly shows that the Spirit of God was leading him and guiding him to the dry place. You say, well, why will God ever do that? It's because a season of dryness may be sometimes a result of rebellion and sin because God allowed famine when people were in rebellion and sin and away from God, but also God allowed famine to test and mature the believer. You get it now? So Jesus was in this desert being tested by God, and Jesus was growing in his character, and understand that, though we may not like the dry seasons in our life, we may not like the desert, we may not like that famine time in our life, dry seasons are not only avoidable, but necessary. God uses your seasons of dryness where nothing's happening, everything's quiet, you're struggling for everything, God's not moving, God's not talking, God's not revealing, and you're just spiritually dry, life is dry, you're becoming dry, and God says, this is necessary. That's why when God led the Israelites out of Egypt to the promised land, God did not just bring them from Egypt to the land of Canaan, the land of promise. God, His path to the promise led by the what? Wilderness. Desert. Because it was in that season, in that desert time, that season of dryness, that they're character was being developed and God was humbling them and God was teaching them and God was revealing himself to him that's why we can't get mad at God for allowing dry seasons in our life we should actually thank him I know it's tough to hear that but in that season of dryness God is actually doing more for you than you can ever imagine because in that season of dryness he's developing your character he's maturing your faith and he's showing you who he really is and God cannot get you to the promise until you get through the desert 
It's needed. This is why you look at Joseph and he was blessed and he was second in command of Egypt and the Lord showed his favor upon him and everyone says, I want to be like Joseph. I want to change the world. I want God to bless me. I want God to use me. But do you not understand that before Joseph even reached the promise of God, he had to go through a season of dryness. That's why the Lord used the famine to bring about the gift that Joseph had because I believe it's in the season of dryness and famine that the real gift of God that's planted inside you comes out. The real you comes out in the seasons of most struggle and dryness. That's why a season of dryness is so difficult for us the reason is, is because in that season that everything is dry, it's hard to see the promises of God. You're not going to see it. I've never met a person going through a dry season and said, I love God. Clearly I can see what He's up to. I've never met a person in all my years of ministry that's going through a bad dry season said, glory to God, I can clearly see where the work of God is displayed. It's in that season of dryness that you're not going to see God. Things are not going to make sense. God may actually seem unfair and mean. And I say, well, why is it so difficult for us to survive the testing before the blessing? It's because while you're at that test, it feels like God is not there. And you can't even see the promises of God. We, we have to stop being these Christians that pretend like God always makes sense. We have to stop faking this relationship we have with Him as though you always trust Him, you always believe in Him, and God clearly does everything for your favor, and everything makes sense. No, sometimes God is unfair, harsh, makes no sense. But sometimes we go through such dry seasons in our life that what we're going through doesn't match the character of God. Have you ever been in a season in your life where the difficulties and the struggle and the setbacks that you're going through do not, not only make sense, but it does not match the character of God? Let me give you some examples. An angel visited a man named Gideon in the Bible and said, Gideon, the Lord is with you. You're a mighty warrior. And the first thing Gideon said, if the Lord is with us, why has he allowed the enemy to devastate us? That's an illustration of when life does not match the character of God. God said He would be with us, but it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't look like it. And I really doubt it. Because if God is faithful and God is with us, why did He allow this, this, and that? And Gideon was in a dry season. You think about Lazarus, when he was dead and buried in that grave, and he had a message for Mary and Martha. He sent a messenger and said, go tell Mary and Martha, this will not end in death, and he dies. Doesn't match. God, you said this, but this happened. And Jesus shows up, and he's all crying and upset, 
And Martha comes up to him and says, Hey, if you would have been here sooner, this would not happen. And she was pretty much telling Jesus, You lied to me. That's what it looks like when life does not match the character of God. Sometimes it's like this. You know that God has has power and God can heal, but you're still sick. And still have a broken heart. You know that God is a provider, but you're still in need. Doesn't match. And you know that God is a way maker, but I'm stuck and nothing's happening and no opportunities are coming. And I know that God says that two are better than one and it's not good to be alone, but then why am I still single? God makes no sense. And I know that God has my back and vengeance is His, but why are my enemies still prospering? Why are they still living a great life and I'm struggling? Where's God in the vengeance? See, sometimes life does not match who God is. But that's the test. Could you still believe me when I don't match? Could you still trust me when life doesn't match who I am? Am I still God when I'm not around? Am I still God when life is not in your favor? Is He still God when life is unfair? Because life will not always match the character of God. This is exactly what's happening to Isaac. Isaac is told by his father Abraham how God paid him a visit, how God showed him the stars. And one day, son, our family's going to be like a nation and we're going to have a massive family and we're going to have so many descendants. And he told his son Isaac, I was old, your mama was old, and God still made a way. He did miracles and God showed up and God did this and God did that. And son, do you know who you are? You're a nation. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be favored. And Abraham passes away. And Isaac is left with this excitement. God's going to bless us. Dad said that God is awesome. Dad said that God is a provider. I remember when I was on that mountain. And Dad was about to stab me. And God provided a ram. I know God is good. I know I have a blessing waiting for me. And now I'm in a famine. God, this makes no sense. God, you, you said I was blessed. You said I was a nation. You, you said you would provide. And, and we're kind of struggling here. God, that hasn't rained in years. And we have no crops and no food and no water. And, and things are getting dry and worse by the day. God, where are you? God, I'm waiting. God, you said this. God, you said that. And sometimes we remind God of who he is because life is not showing it. So Isaac, he doesn't realize it, but God is about to bless him. But before he can bless him, he has to test him. It's the blessed test, everyone. Come on, say it to your neighbor. It's just the blessed test. Don't fail the blessed test now. Come on, say it one more time and yell at them. It's just the blessed test. Nudge them, hit them, do something. It's just a blessed test. It's a blessed test. If you're going through a dry season, it's because God is getting ready to bless you. But he's just testing you to grow you to handle what he has for you.
It's that simple. Well, I want God to bless me now. And God, I want it now. But God loves you too much to give it to you too early. That was good. You got to tweet that. God loves you too much to give you the blessing too early. So yeah, Isaac was blessed in the end. He grew. He was the envy of all his enemies. You said in the beginning you want God to do that, right? Right? Can I tell you the three areas where God tested him, where he will test you if you want the same blessing he gave to Isaac to come to you? Could you handle the test? That's I like you. I don't know, Pastor. I don't. <laughs> tell me first and we'll see where we get there. <laughs> Love the honesty. Number one, the blessed test. Remember, it's a famine. It's dry. Things are hard. Things are difficult. And God's telling it's Isaac, I want to bless you. I have the blessing in my hand for you, Isaac, but I got to test you. See if you can handle it. Verse 2 and 3, the first test. The Lord appeared to Isaac. Now let me stop there. I got to say this. You may be in a dry season. I don't know you. I don't know your situation, what you're going through, your struggle. But I love how it says the word Lord because it means master. And the word appeared. Because no matter what you're going through, God is still the master of that problem. And God will show up. The Lord appeared. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, something I think, if I were there, I'd tell God, I think I heard wrong. Don't go down to Egypt. But do as I what? Tell you. The first test that God is going to give you is the test of obedience. The test of obedience is where you do what is right because God said so and not what you feel. We have too many emotional people in the church that want to be blessed by God, but they're ruled by their emotions. Isaac's emotion said, go to Egypt. Egypt is nicer. Egypt is more comfortable. Egypt is more attractive. Egypt is more suitable for this time. But Egypt was not the right place for him. It's amazing that when you're going through a dry season, how the enemy loves to distract you with better looking things. And when you're going through a dry season, it's not a surprise that Egypt shows up. And Egypt looks better, and Egypt looks right, and right when he's packed up, because his emotions are saying, leave, and just leave this place, and go to Egypt where it's easier, God shows up and says, stay. 
And maybe Isaac is tempted to tell God, God, I don't know if you understand what I'm going through. I don't understand if you see what's going on. But Egypt looks better. Egypt has all the food. Egypt has all the resources. I think I need to be in Egypt because sometimes we think our way is better than God's. And you're telling God many reasons why you think this is the direction you need to go to. You think this is the person you need to be with. You think this is the job you need to have because we assume it has to be from God because it's more attractive and it's easier. But not all easy things are from God. It's amazing how when something is so attractive, we automatically feel the Spirit of God and say, this is from the Lord. And it's just an emotional decision. When you're making an emotional decision and you're an emotional driven person, when times get difficult, you're out. And this is the world we're living in. We're all about switching. We're all about changing. We're all about moving. And if it doesn't work, I'm out. And if it's not easy, I'm done. And if it's not what I wanted, I quit. And if it's not what I thought, I'm done. This is the world we live in. We're so emotionally driven that when times get tough, we leave. This is what happens in marriage. I tell people time and time again, if you want to be happy, don't get married. Marriage is hard. They come back to me, Pastor. It's hard. Yes, I told you. But if it gets difficult, how many understand That marriage goes through dry seasons? Where are all my married people at? Alright, let's switch this up. Where are all my divorced people at? Alright. Marriage gets dry. I get mad at pastors that say, if you want a good marriage, treat her like a garden. Like a garden. Water her. Take care of her. She will flourish. But I'm thinking this now. I get it. It's cute. It's pretty. But what if it's so dry you don't even have the water to water? They assume there's water somewhere. Not if you're going through a dry marriage. So then this is my illustration of marriage. Marriage is a hot tub. When you first get in it, it's hot. But you're in it long enough, you get so used to it, it gets easier to get out. Because the feeling is not as hot anymore. Marriage just goes dry. And then we think what I need is a new spouse. Why? So you, being a dry person, can suck the dry out of that person? Makes no sense. No, but pastor, I'm out. I feel it in my spirit. God doesn't want me to suffer this much. We change jobs. We say, this job's not working out. Why? Well, they don't appreciate me. They take advantage of me. So I need to go somewhere else. 
and I feel like God is telling me, now is the time. Isn't it amazing? All of a sudden, you become the most spiritual person when you're ready to quit. My favorite is when people leave churches. Man, when I first became a pastor, I thought no one would ever leave my church. I thought our church was that awesome. I thought, who would ever leave this church? It's awesome. Who would leave a pastor like me? That's awesome. And I lost count of how many people have sat down with me and said, Pastor, I love it. They sit down and Pastor, we were praying. I'm like, here it comes. And we feel like the Lord is leading us out of your church. And every person that has ever said that has always gone to Egypt. A better, bigger, easier, more attractive ministry to try to get position. How is it that every time God is leading you, it's to something better, easier, and more attractive? Is that really God? We leave marriages, we leave jobs. We leave relationships, we leave friendships. Why? Because it doesn't get easier, so I'm out. And things around me look better. Isn't it crazy in the dry times, it's when Egypt shows up? It's when that marriage is dry, that Mr. Egypt rolls up with his six-pack abs, and, and he's giving you compliments, and he's treating you better than your husband. You're like, mm, Egypt, yeah, I like him. I feel the Lord leading me to leave. Oh, and this is Egypt, oh my goodness. With her tight leggings and workout body and all the compliments she gives you and she looks done all the time and you come back home and there's Garar. She's in her sweatpants and messy hair and nagging at you and you're like thinking, man, I want to go to Egypt so bad. Egypt always shows up when life gets hard. It's why we leave the right place. It's how affairs happen. It's how we forfeit our blessing. Do you not understand that if Isaac would have been led by his emotions, he would have gone to Egypt where it was easier, but he would have missed what God was really going to do in his life. And I don't care how good Egypt looks, what God is getting ready to do is always better. So you need to have the faith to stay. The first test he gives you is the do as I say and not what you feel test. You still want to be blessed? <laughs> Verse 2. It gets harder. Harder than that? Yeah, harder. Verse 12. The Bible says, When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord, say it with me, blessed him. We focus on that, don't we? Lord, bless me like you did him. Bless me, God. But notice what Isaac did before he was what? Blessed. Isaac, right there, you see that word? What is it? Planted. Who plants in a famine? You got to be crazy to do that. The second test God's going to give you after the do as I say and not how you feel test is get to work. 
He tells them, don't leave and make it work. See, some of you think that leaving is what's going to change the situation, but God often says, I don't want you to leave the situation. I want you to change the circumstance and the situation by getting to work. Do the work. God wasn't just going to bring the harvest to him. God wasn't just going to bring the rain to him. Isaac had to go in the middle of a dry season, tired, barely any water, no food, weak, and he had to get the shovel and he had to start digging and tilling the field and planting the crops and everyone is looking at him. He's lost his mind. No one plants during a famine. But the Word of God says in Ecclesiastes that if you wait for circumstances to be perfect, you will never get the harvest. That's in the Bible. So God says here, here's a second test. Not only do I not want you to leave, I want you to do the work. Because it's so much easier to leave, Isaac. It's so much easier to quit. It's so much easier to walk out. But what I want you to do to get the blessing I have for you is I want you to do your part, your effort, and get to work. Because maybe you're asking God to change a circumstance in your life. You're asking God to change your life and change this person and change that. But maybe God doesn't want you to leave that circumstance. He wants you to work at it. So that the change can come. That's why Galatians 6.9, it says it clearly. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in the due season, we will reap if we don't give up. Why do we give up? Because, Pastor, I've done the work and nothing has happened. God says, stay in it. Work at it. Keep planting. Keep sowing. Keep working it. Work it. Work it. Come on, say it with me. Work it. Work it out. Work it. Even if you have to snap your finger, work it. Come on. Work it. There are two words I want you to notice in this. Doing and do. That word doing is a word that means a call to take action. If you're tired of your life being the way it is and God hasn't changed it, maybe God is saying you need to take action. What are you going to do about it? God, can't you just do it for me? No, I want you to do it. I'll do the rest, but you do what you need to do. You do you, boo. You do you. Do you. And then there's that word do. Which means, when the time comes. A planned time. So God says, you first have to, say it with me, do to get to the do. And change your prayer to this, Lord, what do I need to do to fix this? See, the do seasons are hard. Because the do season is where God says, get to work. 
Put in the time. Put in the effort. Pray. Sacrifice. Spend time with me. Do what you need to do. Obey me. Do the word. Do everything I tell you. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it. Do what? Forgive. Do what? Serve. Do what? Be kind. Passionate. Have peace. Have patience. Have kindness. Have goodness. Have faithfulness. Have self-control. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Oh, it's due now. Why? Because you put in the work. We all want the blessing of Isaac, but we don't want to do anything for it. We all want that due season. And maybe you're telling God, God, do something about my marriage. And God says, you do it. Put in the work. Come on, spend more time with each other. Give her those flowers. Be kind and compassionate. Submit. Be intimate. Be loyal to one another. And you watch what happens. That season will come. You want to raise godly kids. You're praying for God to raise you godly children. Do the work, parents. Spend time with them. Pray with them. Read the Bible. Be an example. Go to church. And you'll be surprised when they're adults. They don't depart from what you raised them like. And you hit your due season. God, but I want that promotion now. And God says, what you going to do about it? You want God to bless you and promote you, but you're late, and when you're at work, you do no work? Get to work. Show up on time. Stay in late. Do more than what's expected of you. And when the due season comes, don't be surprised. Why? Because you don't know what I had to do to get this. Well, I wish I was on stage preaching. You weren't there to see what I had to do to get here. Oh, and I haven't arrived yet. Just wait. There's a due season for me too. There's a due season for you as well. You want to have a great relationship with God? Don't just ask Him. Don't just pray about it. Do it. Get up early. I dare you to get up early, to pray, to fast, to spend time in his word. I dare you to join a ministry here and serve. Watch what's going to happen and what's due to you. You're praying for God to give you health. But you want to do nothing about it and you want to eat the cookies. Do what you need to do to get healthy and your due season will come. And Lord, I need to get out of debt. Do something. What do you need to do to stop getting yourself in debt? Do you need to get another job? Do you need to work overtime? Do you need to stop spending what you don't need? Do you need to cut some credit cards up? What do you need to do to get to the due Let me tell you something I never want you to forget. Write it down. Instagram, I don't care. I don't know what you do now. But it's not by works that you're saved. But it is by works that you're blessed. Take that with you. Take it to the bank and cash it. It's not by works. Say it with me. It's not by works that I'm saved. But it is by works that I'm blessed. Work it. Say it like you want it. 
work it. What do I need to do, Lord, to get to what is due? God, you're long overdue for my blessing. And God says, no, I have it. You're just not willing to do it. You know what Isaac had to do to get that harvest? He had to dig an old well that his dad Abraham dug years ago. But it was just covered in dirt. In other words, the rain wasn't coming. The water was beneath the surface. Stop thinking you know how God's going to do things. Because maybe your blessing is closer than you think. And it's right in your feet. So Isaac got a shovel and started digging and removing the dirt from the water source. And eventually water came out and watered the land and he was blessed. See, I want to say one of the things you need to start doing for God to bless you is you need to get the mess out of your blessing. Get the sin out, get the immorality out, get the compromise out. What do you need to get out to get to the blessing? No rain. And Isaac was like, you mean to tell me, God, the water was here the whole time. Yeah, but you couldn't see it because of all the mess that was there. Get it out. Get to work. Are you going to work it? Test number one, do as I say, not as you feel. Test number two, do. Get to work. And the do season will come. And I'll close with test number three because it's the biggest test of all. You guys ready for it? Verse 15 and 16 through 16. The Philistines, once he dug that well... And the water came out. The enemy came to stick it and stuff it all over again. Because the enemy doesn't want you blessed. The enemy doesn't want to see you prosper. So it's amazing that the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by his servant, his father Abraham. Man, let me tell you, does it ever feel... Like you're doing the work. You're saying, Pastor, I'm doing it. But every time I feel like I've made it and things are better, all of a sudden it's like the devil comes and dumps on me again. He just dumps all this dirt on my well again. Finally, the Bible says that the Philistines were so jealous The Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by his servant, his father Abraham. Now verse 16 says, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Get out of here. Go somewhere else. For you have become too powerful for us. And I said, God, I want that. I want to be the envy of my enemies. And I want to become too powerful because of you. How many of you want that? You sound, you sure sound like it. The last test is the hardest test. Because Isaac 
He dug the well. Water came out. The land flourished. But see, when you become blessed and God begins to work in your life, it's only a matter of time till the haters come and the jealous folks come and those that weren't willing to do what you did to get to where you're at, so now they do what they had to do to stop where you're at. To the point that they rejected Isaac and said, you need to get out of here. This was Abimelech. They were friends. And his own friend said, get out of here. See, the third test you need to pass for the Lord to really bless you. Because this was not the blessing God had for him. God had more to give him. But he only gave him enough to see how he would handle it. The third test is the test of conflict. When people show up and reject you. When people show up that you thought were your friends and they're disloyal and they hurt you. And when they dump things in your life that's unfair and unjust, all because it's driven by jealousy. What will you do in that season that other people try to stop the blessing of God from happening in your life? What will you do when you suffer and rejection? You suffer betrayal. What a task God gave him. God then tells Isaac, leave. And Isaac must have thought, but what about everything I did for them? What about everything I did here? What about my harvest? Everything that I've grown? You want me to leave that? And God said, yeah, because if you only knew, I have more for you than this. Leave it. We're afraid to leave the things we think are better. But when God tells you to leave something, it's because he has the best for you. But he tells Isaac, leave, walk out, move on. Don't answer them back. Don't do anything and retaliate. Don't rage war. Leave them. Because I want to tell someone here today, leave them. They're not coming with you where God is getting ready to take you. Stop thinking about what you did for them. Stop thinking about how you sacrificed for them. And God says, move on. Stop taking action. Don't retaliate. Don't get angry. Don't take vengeance. Just leave it to God and move on. Because one of the greatest testings you're going to go through is the move on test. Move on from what they did. Move on from what they told you. Move on to the unfairness. Move on. Because some of you can't be blessed because you refuse to move on. But the Bible says that in the end, verse 15 and 16, they filled up the wells. They tried to stop him. But why is it in the end, when Abraham, when Isaac left, God blessed him even more. Gave him even more than what he had in Gerar. It's because what the enemy didn't understand was, the blessing was not the well. The blessing was not the water. The blessing was in obedience to God. And the Bible says that God will cause favor to follow you wherever you go. 
So stop thinking that it's a place that's going to bless me. It's a person that's going to bless me. And this is how God's going to do what he needs to do to bless me. No. The blessing is in God. And when you're faithful and obedient by doing as he says and not how you feel and by putting into the work when it makes no sense to and by moving on from conflict and haters, God says, that's a person I need to bless. And prosperity and favor and blessing will follow you all the days of your life when you're faithful to the God, the giver of all things. I love it because they kicked him out. They moved him on. They rejected him. And wherever he went, he was blessed even more. So I love it because I know those Philistines, they went to Instagram. They saw Isaac. And, How is he getting more blessed? Because it's God, fool. Come on, it's God. You try to stop me. You were hating on me. You were jealous of me. But you didn't do what I needed to do to get to where I'm at. And wherever Isaac went, he flourished. Because it's all about obedience, work, living in peace. If you're not willing to obey God, the due season will pass you. If you're not willing to do the work, and you expect people and God to give you everything, the due season will pass you. And if you want to live in bitterness and strife and conflict because of all the people that try to stop you and they did this and they said that and they weren't there for me and they betrayed me, they lied to me, they were disloyal, unfaithful. I can't believe so-and-so did this. How can you not believe it? It happens. Jealous people hate. In Jesus' name, move on. Because God's favor will follow you. Let's all stand. I want to pray for you. Come on, give God some praise today if you're saying, God, with every head bow, eye closed, spend some time with the Lord. And I want to tell you this clearly. You may be in a dry season right now. But I promise you this, according to the word of God. There is a due season. D-U-E. Your blessing is there. Your favor and destiny is there. It's closer than you think. But you need to be willing to do, D-O, do the work. Dig and remove the things that don't belong there. Make the effort. Spend the time. Do the sacrifice. Do the commitment. And you will not pass your due season. And pass the test. When God tells you to do something, but you don't feel it, overcome those feelings and emotions because those emotions want to keep you. They want to keep you stuck and in bondage. 
But God says, if you would just do what I say, your life would flourish and be blessed. Stop looking at Egypt. Stop comparing yourself to Egypt and trust where I have you now. You may not like it. It may be difficult, unfair, and you don't like the season you're in right now. But maybe this is a season that God wants you to do something so you can get to what is due. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every soul here, every person that wants to be blessed. But they don't want to go through the test. Father, there is a testing before the blessing. And I pray that every person here has the faith and the courage to pass the obedience test, the work test, and the peace test. Help them to forgive their enemies, their haters, their jealous folks. Help them to put in the work and the effort that they need to get to where you want them to. And Father, help them, Jesus, to bypass their emotions and their feelings to be obedient to what you say. And if you're here this morning and you're vowing to God today, I'm going to stop my conflict. I'm going to stop my comparison. I'm going to stop my complaining. And I'm going to do what I need to do to get to what is due to me. You show me your hands right now. You're saying, Pastor, I'm done with my emotions. I'm done with my laziness. I'm done with my bitterness. And I'm getting to the blessing. I'm going to get there with the haters. I'm going to get there through the jealousy. I'm going to get there through the betrayal. I'm going to get there when life is hard. I'm going to get there when life is difficult. I'm going to get there when life is unfair. I'm going to do as God tells me to do. I'm going to stop feeling pity for myself. I'm going to stop feeling anger. I'm going to stop feeling all this emotion. And I'm just going to do it because I know, God, that something is due for me. Father, bless them. Encourage them to pass the season of dryness and help us as a church to do the work in this season we're in right now to stay loyal to stay faithful because we know there's more come on say that to the Lord there's more and I'm going to get it come on say there's more and I'm going to get it and the devil saying right now, you no, you're not. I pray you prove him wrong. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. God bless you guys. Come on, give God some praise.